Thursday, July 8, 2021. This is The Better Life. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Living a better life means Buffalo! Goodness, I heard that over and over. Who who can play that game and not get sick of that sound? Went over to MGM National Harbor to uh, pick up some... I didn't pick it. I guess I didn't pick it up. Went to play a little kiosk game for a slot multiplier. Uh, I got eight times, and I was like, yeah, I'll play a little bit for that. I won't, play, not, won't go crazy, but I'll play a little bit for that. Um, I sat down at a video poker machine... And uh, it took me like five tries to find a video poker machine that was like working properly. Finally, I sit down at one that's working properly. And by working properly, like the screen, like the the first few, like the screen wasn't uh, responding. Another one, the button wasn't responding. Uh, and then I finally found one. And then this one, like, man, like who? Why do? Why does it seem like people just spill their drinks all over uh, video poker machines? The buttons always stick, and it's just, it's just horrible. Um, Played for a little while, but it was getting annoying because the the the, uh, the buttons were kind of sticky and the screen wasn't refreshing like quickly. It was weird. Uh, hit a four of a kind, and I was like, okay, that's an, that's. I cashed out, and I was like, I'm gonna do something else. And then I hear the feigned buffalo from the buffalo diamond behind me. I look over and I notice that the f- uh, the four times multiplier uh, bonus is around 120 free games and. I don't know if that's good. I don't know what the, like where that is on the uh, on the on the scale of should play shouldn't play. Uh, but it, it was more. It was a lot. I felt like I was like, oh, that had, that's that's probably a lot. Um, let me sit down. Let me play some actual slots for once. Uh, my my annual one game of slots. Uh, so I sat down and man, I mean, I don't know how people do it. To be completely honest, I don't know how people do it. Um, I would hit the button, like, you know, I'd, let, I'd let the reels go, and then by, like, the 10th time, I'm like, I can't, I'll, like, tap, 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 I mean, I was trying to hit that button as fast as I could to get those, to get those games cranking. Uh, lo- uh, long story short, it was uh, kind of boring, and I didn't hit the, uh, the multiplier, but um, I, did, I got a decent amount of uh, slot points out of it, and, uh, you know, got my annual little slot game in. Probably won't play slots again for <laughs> until 2022 so uh that was that and uh yeah i left the casino a loser you know we all know that feeling craps tables man they were uh i was like well let me play some craps to to make myself feel better no 125 dollar table they were full the rest were 50 dollars. this was on a wednesday night um nope can't do it okay this uh this week's episode a lot of fun uh, Mark Duvall and I talk about talk about two gambling movies uh, that were submitted by people. Um, the BetterLife.us slash slash Better Viewing, all one word, B E T T O R Viewing, uh, is where you can actually fill out a form to let us know what movies, TV shows, whatever uh, you want us to take a look at, review, and talk about on the show. And two movies that got submitted were California Split and uh in lay the favorite so that is what we decided to talk about i won't spoil uh for those of you that don't follow me on twitter and saw some of my um uh, some some of my uh, feelings about either movie there i won't spoil my feelings on uh these two movies but this was a lot of fun california split was a, a really pleasant watch and then we got a little surprise uh while we were talking about lay the favorite so uh, probably one of more, probably one of the more fun better better viewing episodes we've gotten to do. Um, enjoy. Mark Duvall from You Can Bet on That. How are you, sir? Very good. How was your birthday? Ultimately, 
my birthday was ultimately good. I owe everybody a final number. Uh, I have, uh, I mean, fourth holiday weekend, and you know, I just, you know, I get distracted by things. Sure. <laughs> um, but we did very well. I, I think if I count uh, everything we raised from followerships, viewers, and then all the the uh, the, the multipliers, and then the donations that everybody's been generous with, I think we're going to hit about a grand per That's organization. Fantastic. Oh, yep. great, good, very good. Yeah. So uh, thank you for everybody who who. Uh, Tune in for that. Um, okay, people are people are in the stream. Hello, everybody. It's Tim Lawson here from the Better Life Vlog with Mark Duvall from You Can Bet on That. We are going to discuss two movies: California Split, which is, this is the first time I have ever seen it, uh, and Lay the Favorite. This will be the second time that I've seen it. Uh, I'm actually going to let Mark take the lead on California Split because uh, teasing teasing my ending thoughts. I was so into watching this movie. Yeah. I took. Yeah. I took few too few notes to to lead this, so I'm going to let you go first on California Split. Okay, uh, let's just say up front that California Split objectively is the better of the two movies. <laughs> I, so I I, I kind of want to just mention that because we're definitely going to be dealing with the better movie here first, and I think we're going ultimately we'll probably have a lot more to say about it. I don't know if that's true, but anyway, these are talk about wildly different movies. <laughs> I'll get I'll say more on this uh, at the end, but since you've uh, pre, uh, put that up front, I will say this. May, this is top three gambling movies for me of all time. Well, I'll tell you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I have spent from the last time that I watched. I've spent from the end of that movie that I finished uh, um, earlier today to now trying to think of three gambling movies that I definitely like more, and I can't do it. Okay. So I, I yeah. since you're bringing this up because I was going to mention this as well as well. This is the second time I've seen it. For me, this is absolutely the best gambling movie ever made. And if you want to quantify it more, I will say it's because how of how realistic it is. Um, it's it's a movie about a couple of gamblers. It really, really is a good movie. Well, so are we going to do California Split first then? Yes, we're definitely in California Split first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So this came out in 1974. It's directed by Robert Altman. Now, the 1970s are considered... Uh, probably the best decade in American film. And the reason for that is uh, something called New Hollywood. A lot of really talented directors started, they actually kind of had control of their movies, whereas previously they were studio driven. The studio would determine how movies would turn out. And starting in the late 1960s and going through the early 1980s, uh, these directors were making fantastic movies. The directors like Peter Bogdanovich and uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Robert Altman, even Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are considered, you know, part of what they call this new Hollywood. And it kind of went, like I said, up until about the 80s when Michael Cimino, who directed The um, Deer Hunter, made a movie called, um, oh, I can't even think of it. It's terrible. I was going to write this down. I thought, oh, I'll come up with it so easily. Um but anyway, why, he, why would you not remember that uh, in sorry, the moment? Yeah. No, I, well, you know, I try to keep it. Anyway, Michael Cimino made this movie that basically bankrupted uh, United Artists. Um, he um, again, he made The Deer Hunter, so he had a lot of respect in the community, but he spent way too much money on this movie and it was a huge flop. And um, that was kind of the end of this new Hollywood. But I want to bring it up because some really fantastic movies were made in the 70s. 
And Robert Altman was responsible for some of them. His most famous movie is probably MASH. His mm. best movie is probably Nashville. They're both excellent. One of the things that Altman would do is he would mic, in other words, he would put a microphone on more than just the main characters in a scene. So very often you will have scenes where you'll hear dialogue that maybe isn't even on camera, maybe is off camera, or there are a couple of characters. There is one scene that takes place in a pawn shop where George Siegel character, Bill, goes in, he, he's going to pawn some things. And there's a couple just at the counter talking the, with the receptionist. And you can kind of hear their conversation it has absolutely nothing to do with driving the plot, but it kind of brings out this sense of realism. And even when I was watching it, my son in the other room could hear some of the, the audio. He couldn't see the, what I was watching. He said, are you, are you listening to, are you watching like an, like some kind of YouTube stream? Are, is, are you watching some event? And I said, no, it's actually a movie. So yeah. he definitely wanted to go for realism in that respect. There's a few scenes in this movie where multiple people are talking and you can't understand what anybody's saying. And it absolutely, at first you're like, this is annoying. And then you're like, but this is how it is. This is how, like, you know, a scene, uh, like sitting at the bar and when people are talking over each other and two different people, you can't understand what they're saying. Uh, you don't want a whole movie like that, obviously, because you wouldn't get any real dialogue. But for for the for what those scenes were supposed to be, it definitely added realism to it. Yeah, and I think I mentioned in a previous episode, one of these episodes, that Altman, you know, you kind of have to get used to his movie making style because there is a lot of that. Like you said, it's like, who am I listening to? I can't understand any of this. This is pandemonium. So once you're you're sort of in that milieu, you you can kind of um, appreciate the film a little bit better anyway so uh i wanted to bring that up because that's definitely a big part of his filmmaking um I d uh eddie gould 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 uh so, so Ed elliot gould elliot i'm sorry elliot gould yes elliot gould uh as charlie waters um vegas fans will recognize him as a younger version um of the character that he i'm mean, not the younger version of the character but as the younger actor um we know him from oceans 11 um as he, uh he was uh i can't i can't remember his character again i, I was yeah, like i'll write this down but uh, i'll just remember <laughs> it why what, what was his name the character's name again do you remember i can't remember from you yeah. know oceans 11 because for me you know i'm what i've got like 20 years on you elliot gould is like this 70s movie star right i right. remember him from you know being in these movies so when i see him in oceans 11 it's like oh that's an afterthought that's towards the end right. of his career i'm not yeah. when i think of elliot gould i don't think of oceans 11 I go back and think of MASH. You know, he was in MASH and, you know, some of these other movies. Um, and then George Siegel. So, we, yeah, we haven't really mentioned it yet. The two uh, leads are Elliot Gould as Charlie and George Siegel as Bill. George Siegel, late great George Siegel just died this last just, year. Yeah, just a couple months yeah. ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, the movie starts at the California Club, a poker club in Southern California, does not really exist, was fictional, but you would not know it based on this scene because you really feel like you're in a poker room. I think it's the most realistic depiction of a poker room that I've ever seen on film. Uh, so many of the players, you look and you think, well, that, that person can't be an actor. They must have like used real people from poker rooms. Right? I mean, that's right. how good it is, right? And they've got, you know, the um, they've got the the sign up board, you know, in chalk, you know, that they're using. You know, they didn't have electronic uh, boards like that. It is uh, there are a, a few things that I think are uh, amazing about this scene. 
Um, first of all, I am too young to have experienced this, but back in the day, there were not dedicated dealers at these rooms. Right. Players would take turns dealing the cards. And it's even a plot point that comes up, uh, you know, uh, when you're watching this scene. Uh, it turns out that the game that Charlie and Bill are playing, they don't know each other when the movie starts, but they end up on the same poker table. And it turns out the game that they're playing is lowball, California lowball, where the best hand is ace, two, three, four, five. You ignore straights and flushes. So you're trying to get the basically the worst poker hand. It, it's called California low ball. There's also a version called Kansas City low ball where it's literally the worst poker hand you're trying to get. And in that case, it would be deuce, tray, four, five, seven. Uh, in other words, really a terrible poker hand. Um, so anyway, they're playing low ball. And again, everybody's miked. You see all these folds at the table. There's no real plot moving yet, but this woman, she's one of the players says, you mean I've got a goddamn six and everybody's out? Everybody folded. She's playing six high, right? Probably six, five, you know, three, two, ace or something like that. There's absolutely no way a non-poker person would be able to understand what she means by that. You mean I've got a goddamn six and everybody folds? Right. But that is so much a part of this movie. It's like they don't, they know they don't need to explain that part of the gambling to the the viewer yeah, because that doesn't move the plot, but they took so much time to get it right. And, and that goes throughout the movie. And that's one of the things I love about it. The only note I have about this opening scene is I was taken by this opening scene and didn't take any notes. That's it's, the only thing I have. Oh, I mean, it's so much is going on. And again, yeah. you have to get used to Altman's style and you're thinking, well, there are no actors here other than, you know, it's Ellie Gould and George Siegel, but it's like, they, it's a poker room. It really is a poker room. Um, let me say a couple more things about the, this um, scene. <laughs> the same one. I think it's the same woman who says, I've got the goddamn six. Says this table is too slow. It's on a hand where Charlie's in the hand with sort of a villain. If you're going to call him a villain in this movie. And Charlie's taking a long time to decide what to do. This, you know, this table's so slow. And uh, one of the reasons she's complaining is because at this particular poker room, and they talk about it, uh, they don't charge a rake per pot, it's per time. So it's like, uh, there's an opening segment where Charlie's actually watching a video, like a tutorial on how to play poker. And I think they mention, it's like either every half hour or every hour, you're charged to be sitting in the seat. And there's still some right. poker rooms that do that. Um. The uh, that tutorial video that Charlie starts watching towards at the beginning, the audio of it continues to play during the action in the poker room. So that's another thing where the audio is going. Charlie's not watching it anymore, but we're listening to it. And it kind of is, is an expository, almost explaining poker, explaining how the, the game works and what you're supposed to do. And a lot of it is etiquette talk. I don't know if you noticed that, but it was like yes. after winning a hand, you know, don't make a big cheer or, you know, respect the other players. And meanwhile, there's all this talk at the table and, you right. know, people are And in fact, um, when uh, the villain Lou is his name in the movie, there's some raising going back and forth. And Lou turns over a seven five, basically a seven high hand, which is very good in low ball draw. And uh, Charlie says, oh, I didn't know you had such a good hand. And the guy's about to scoop the pot. And then Charlie says, wait, 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 wait. Right. 
and shows his hand. That's called a slow roll. That's extremely bad etiquette. Charlie yeah. is really breaking some etiquette. You don't slow roll somebody like that. You just turn over your hand and show them that you got beat. And then that uh, turns into um, a, a bit of a brawl at the table, ultimately. Oh, I guess I, I so much is going on this scene. I forget stuff, too. The lead up to this is that Bill is dealing this particular hand. So again, players are the dealers at these tables. And Charlie, asked, he draws two cards. And Bill deals two cards to him, but the second card kind of goes off the table. And he catches it before it hits the floor. You can see that it's a joker. And in lowball, a joker is completely wild. And uh, it's actually pretty good how they did it. You know, if it were today, I'd think, oh, they use CGI or something. <laughs> but so right. there's this argument about, you know, did the card hit the floor? And then when Charlie ends up beating this guy, Lou, Lou, does Lou punch the bill, the dealer? I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, he punches the dealer. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah, and, uh, built it. Yeah. One thing that's kind of not realistic then is that Lou just rejoins the game. I would think that he would be carried away or they'd call the police or something. Who knows? This is the 70s. Who knows what <laughs> yeah, kind of what kind of time true. they were on? Yeah. It's the 70s. But uh, oh my gosh, we could probably talk just about this opening scene. There's so much. For so long because there's so much. And it it's really by taking notes because halfway yeah. through the scene, I was like, I've already missed so much. I'm just going to just enjoy the, the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And throughout this movie, um, this was before. So I kind of mentioned this before. This was before card room poker was really understood by the general public as much as it is now. You know, we had a poker boom and almost everybody plays poker now. They certainly know uh, seven card stud, which is not played in this uh, movie because it wasn't right. very popular at the time. But they know a lot of stuff. And so they could have gotten away with a lot more inaccuracies in this movie back in 1974 because the general public wouldn't you know didn't know as much but oh my gosh everything in this movie rings true it's just so good um yes i um i have nothing like my my next notes are at the bar when okay they, uh, when they meet each other I'm sorry. so again i literally have nothing for this yeah, scene I, other I, than it was really good and it, it it as soon as it, it when the scene was over i was like I'm not going to have an, like, I'm going to be so into this movie. If, if it's like this, or is just, if it's, if it's this compelling, I'm just going to be into this movie for the rest of the, uh, you know, what it's kind of like, I'll show my age here too. It's like a Rocky horror picture show, you know, back in the seventies, they would have these midnight, uh, showings of Rocky horror and the audience would participate, right? It was a big, huge thing. The, the movie itself was never very successful, but these midnight showings were huge. And so you'd go in and everybody be yelling back at the screen and people be throwing toast at the screen and everything. And when you go to see the movie for the first time, you're kind of thinking, hey, everybody shut up. I want to see what's happening in the movie. You know, <laughs> and it's right. kind of, I think that's kind of what when you three, it's like you don't want to take notes. You want to appreciate what's going on in this film. So, yeah. <laughs> OK, so, yeah, let's move on to the bar. So they end up going not together, but going to the same bar and they run into each other um, at the bar. And um, it's <laughs> it, we're talking about this. There's another conversation going on in the background that kind of plays out. It's, it's again, not part of the plot, but it is a mother in this bar. This is like a, kind of almost like a strip club, like a go-go club. There's a mother asking her daughter who has no pants on because she's a go-go dancer at this play yeah. at this bar, asking her for $30 because she wants to go back to this poker game. She says this game is duck soup which means easy, easy to yeah. play, you know? 
And she's trying to get her daughter to loan her $30 here at this basically kind of this strip club. And later on, sure enough, the the daughter is able to get $30 from the uh, bartender signs like a little script or something to, you know, an IOU. And then the mother, oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. And goes off and, you know, to play this game. I uh I can't remember um I can't remember who he says it to but uh um Elliot Gould says to one of the uh you talk about like things they bet on. Oh yeah, sports they bet on. He's like anything, right? Action. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> what I wrote down. Yeah, he said you yeah. follow pro basketball, anything going me to right. action. Yeah, it's action. like Yeah, okay. So, you know, that's one of their first thing that Charlie comes into the bar, sees Builder, says, Hey, I want to buy this guy a beer. Initially, Bill just says, No, I already got a beer. Thanks anyway. But then they end up striking up a conversation and finding out that they have a lot in common. And uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, the um when they when they finally um um if I'm getting ahead, that's uh, I apologize, but when they finally like sort of uh get together um from across the bar and hang out. Uh, after a bunch of beers, uh, one bets the other twenty dollars. Says you can't name the seven dwarfs, and and uh, Elliot Gould's like, well, I know I can name three or four of them, and I love that like that was enough for him to try, right? He's like, right. well, I think I got half, right? Why not? <laughs> and then the funny thing is, Bill, who originally said, hey, twenty dollars says you can't, he ends up not being able to name them either. And he only repeats the ones that Ellie right, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. And yeah. there are a couple funny things thrown in, like uh, Charlie says Snoopy and Bill. Yeah. He's not even oh, laughing; oh. they're so drunk. No, Snoopy wasn't one. Yeah, Dumbo. No, yeah. Dumbo wasn't one. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, yeah, uh, that's all I got for the bar scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, after it, when they leave the bar, um, Lou, basically the bad guy. Uh, beats him, beats them up in the parking lot and steals what he considers is his money. He feels that he was cheated. He thinks that the two of them were in cahoots and he's convinced of it now when he sees the two of them coming out together in a bar. And um, then the next scene is a friend of Charlie's uh, bailing Bill and Charlie out of jail. And you find out a little bit later that they were arrested on uh, uh, disorderly, uh, drunken disorderly. Because initially you're thinking, why were they arrested? They were the ones you know, got beat up, but later right. on you find out that's the reason why. And uh, she takes them back to where Charlie lives uh, with her and another woman who are prostitutes. Um, and, but um, what do I want to say? Like high, I don't think they've got like a like, pimp, but they, they're like escorts. Yeah, they're that's like, a better way to put it. They're like the girlfriend escorts, experience yeah. escorts almost. Yes, like they, right, it almost yes. seemed like they didn't always sleep with their customer either. Right? That it yeah. almost seemed like sometimes it was like this. The, the they were they were the GFEs of uh, of the seventies. There you yeah, go. Like yeah. escorts. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's maybe there's some. I don't want to say romantic. Who knows what Charlie's relationship really is with them. Bill is certainly attracted to at least uh, one of them, uh, right. not Barbara, uh, Susan uh, is the other one. But anyway, um, they it's morning and they're having breakfast. There's one, and this is the kind of thing where you just, you have to listen. Even if you have closed captioning on, you won't catch it because they can't close caption everything, right? There are right. too many conversations going on. But just in the background, Charlie, I think he's he's either talking to Barbara or to Bill saying, oh yeah, when I was a kid, you know, I... I lost a nickel to this kid and I, I went to my dad to try to get it back or, you know, to get a loan. I've, I've been chasing ever since or something like that. 
You're just a little he, he, he tiny says, thing in there. Do you remember the first? Uh, do you remember the first time you bet on sports? And he says, "I bet a nickel on the 1945 World Series." Don't laugh. I lost, and I didn't have five cents on me. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you got more of the quote than I did. Excellent. <laughs> it's one of the few things that I caught, and I had to pause and rewind just to make sure I heard it right. Because I was like, "Wait, is he talking about?" Because at first when he said, "I bet a nickel," I was like, "He did not buy bet five hundred dollars on it." <laughs> right. And I was like, "Oh wait," like, and then I hear the five cent part, and I'm like, "Oh, like a, yeah, literal, a nickel. literal nickel." Yeah. 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 So anyway, it looks like Bill and Charlie are going to, you know, strike up kind of a friendship here. Uh, uh, Bill ends up spending the night uh, there because he's well, they've probably been up all night. He sleeps during the day. But anyway, the next day, Bill goes back to his job. He's a uh, reporter for a magazine. Looks like maybe an independent California magazine. And there are a couple interesting things that happen in the office. Number one, you find out that the publisher is an extremely young looking um played the fly why am i having so much trouble with uh, names today i'm gonna I, i'll get it jeff goldblum one of his uh, literally one of his He's first roles i think that looked like yeah a he, he was really young there you only see him for a second but he turns out to do the uh, uh publisher and this caught my eye he he gets a call bill gets a call from charlie charlie says hey i'm going to the track you know can you duck out of work come down the track, you know, let's, and Bill is, oh, no, I really can't, you know, he's missed some work. And finally, he, you know, he decides, oh, that's what he's going to do. And as he's leaving, he pretends like he's going to be going to Chino to do some research on an article. And he says, hey, Barney, how far away is Chino? And there's a guy in a, a office in the back, you can't see very well. And Barney tells him how long it's going to take. And I heard the voice and I looked at the face and i thought oh my gosh that's harry anderson aka harry the hat from the cheers episodes that ah. we watched ah. right and i'm i go online i you know i look at the credits i go can't online i it. go to imdb nothing i can't find anything so i text my friend mike the one that i was talking about earlier not mike not not dr mike but a sure. friend of mine mike we used to watch cheers together i said hey check out california split at this time mark is that harry anderson he looked at it and he said, it absolutely has to be. I showed my wife. As soon as he she saw his face without even hearing. Anyway, so Harry Anderson, small that. role, uncredited come role. In, in Coming full circle <laughs> here on The Better Life. And so, uh, and one more thing. Gosh, this is such a tiny little thing. It, in some conversation in the background at the magazine, they mentioned Jerry Weintraub. Jerry Weintraub was the producer of Vegas Vacation who played the high roller in Vegas right. Vacation. I think he did produce some of Robert Altman's film, but not this one, I don't think. So anyway, I don't know. Just throwing that out there. So I think that's all I've got up until the point where they go to the track. You got anything else here? Um, I have. So I have, uh, I think this is the next scene. Um, Charlie, uh, I'm going to get, yeah, Charlie is on the bus to the track and a woman refuses to sit in a certain seat be uh, uh, for luck reasons and asks Charlie if she'll, he'll switch seats. And he's like, no. And like, he refuses for the same reason. He's like, no, I'm not. And she, there's like this huge conversation about who's willing to switch seats. No one's willing to switch seats because everybody's being superstitious about 
about the seat that they're in, and they finally negotiate enough movement with people who aren't superstitious to make it just work for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I was laughing so hard. I was like, "This is so." I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Uh, right, right, right. It's like, yep. I mean, I know sitting here doesn't actually do anything, but I'm not getting up. Yeah, of course I'm not. not. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, and the woman asks Charlie, "Hey, what do you think of this one horse? What was the name? Egyptian Femme? Egyptian Femme. Yeah, I believe. And uh, so Charlie's saying, what are you crazy? No, she's not. She's no good. Look, she they they bumped her up in class and, you know, she's she hasn't finished in the money in previous races. No, 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 no. And basically talks her out of betting on Egyptian femme. And then, of course, you kind of know that what's going to happen is he's going to bet on Egyptian femme. And he does end up doing it and winning a lot of money. So anyway, that's kind of the the interaction with the woman on the bus. Maybe we'll talk about her a little bit later. Uh, when that. um the scene at the track first starts. Charlie is coming up the escalator talking to maybe a friend of his or acquaintance of his. And uh, he says, uh, just don't bet the chalk. No chalk betting here. And I know you've talked about chalk on your show before, but I, I, it's probably a term that a lot of people don't know. Basically, sure. betting the chalk means betting the favorite. Yes, because uh, it, in the old days, that's it. They would they they wouldn't put lines up for all of the numbers and sides, but but when it, for like for the spread, if it was a certain team minus seven, that it would be that team minus seven. They went right plus seven on the other side, so laying the chalk would be the team that has the chocolate uh, on it. Right. So there's a there's enough there's a couple of professional sports betters in the in the chat that'll tell me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, yeah, so that's that that's what it means to lay the chalk. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you can say. Oh, oh, you've been eating chalk all day. It means you've been yeah. betting on the favorite all day. You know, there's a lot of different ways you do. But again, just a throwaway line. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, nobody, the general public, they may not understand it, but they don't have to. And it, the line goes by so quickly, it it it, it doesn't drive the plot. It's fine. Yeah, but that, it's you know that's attention to detail. I love that. Now I think that's all I've got for the scene, other than oh, oh, Charlie does. Uh, Bill does show up, and right? They bet on Egyptian Femme, and they they win a bunch of money. And, so uh, what I what I loved about that is while he, while Charlie while Charlie the professional better is cheering on the horse. Uh, Bill, the newbie better, is cheering on the jockey. That's like right. He's, yes. Yeah, yes. He's yelling yes, yes. out someone's name, and and Charlie's like, "What do you do?" He's like, "That's the jockey's name," and he keeps on cheering for the jockey. I was like, "That's such a it's such a newbie better thing." I, yeah. I, I that was a, a nice little touch. And then when the race ends, Charlie knows it's a winner. And Bill's not <laughs> convinced. He's like, as a photo finish, how can he be sure? He's like, it's a winner. What are you talking about? I just, I just love how the pro was so like, like I, I've seen this a million times. I know it was a winner. Uh, and then uh, sure enough, you find out that it's a, it's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got all this money. They go back to Charlie's house to, uh, to the women there. And the women are actually supposed to entertain a, a customer that night, but uh, Charlie and Bill managed to get this customer to leave <laughs> in a kind of scared way. They pretend to be like FBI agents or something. It's kind of a silly scene, but they end up going to a boxing match and the they're in the stands. Charlie, at least is betting everyone around him. You know, what's going to happen in this? He, he's betting what, what, you know, this round, that round, who's going to, you know, how long are they going to go? So, so he hasn't made any bets with bookies or anything. He's just betting everybody around him in the audience, you know, anybody that he can get, get action from the, and one more thing I wanted to say about that boxing match too. the, the uh, ring announcer was played by real life ring announcer, Jimmy Lennon. Again, if you're as old as I am, you will have seen him you know, announcing so many boxing matches. I think he was even in one of the Rocky movies, you know, same kind of role. So uh, Jimmy Lennon, 
Um, all I uh, all I got on the uh, I, I took a note that he was he was making bets with everybody. In fact, um, going into I think the final round of the fight, he even a guy in front of me is like, "I like your hat. I'll take your hat." And the guy's like, uh, "They end up betting a hat and a shirt." It was the yeah. it was the action the guys had for Charlie's shirt. Uh, uh, the the hat or uh, Charlie ends up winning the shirt. And then on their way out, there's a fight in the crowd. And Charlie quickly turns around. And he's like, all right, I got the guy in a suit. You got the lumberjack. <laughs> just like, yeah. I just love how, like, the 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 quickness in which he identifies a gambling situation and immediately gets action going into it, it was just it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Well, right after that, they go out to the parking lot. And what do you know? They get robbed again, this time by just a, a random thief. And Charlie is so upset <laughs> about, you know, everybody else is really scared and he's just angry. This guy's pointing a gun at him. Yeah. And he finally says, look, here, take half the money. I'm going to put it right here on the top of the car. Just take half the money and get out of here. You know, he's standing up to this uh, thief who, you know, is threatening to shoot. But, you know, Charlie's thinking this guy's not going to shoot. He's not going to kill somebody over, you know, $700 or whatever it is. So they end up losing half their money there. And, of course, Bill's very upset about it. Uh, Bill ends up going to a, an underground. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Let's back up a little bit. Sure. Bill, uh, he, there's a conversation on the phone when Bill is at work with his bookie, Sparky. Yes. And it's sort of the typical what you'd expect. The bookie expects his money. Bill doesn't have it. Bill says, I promise I'll get you the money in three days or, you know, X amount of time. It's kind of the typical, I'll get you the money. I'll get you the money. And he ends up borrowing some money from a friend of his and going to play in an underground poker game at the back of a massage parlor. And from what I can tell, it looks like the game they're playing is Raz, which is seven card low ball, another low ball game. And you don't see a lot of, there's not a lot of action on camera, but at the end you can tell he's lost all his money. Yeah. Oh, I, I do have one note on the on the parking lot scene where they get robbed. Uh, lesson learned, don't count your money in the parking lot. <laughs> they were drunk in both cases, so okay. But yeah, yeah. all right. But look, <laughs> I get nervous when I count my like $400 in a packed casino when no one's paying attention. Attention. Like, don't count your money in a parking lot. Don't don't reveal that you like on your way out of the casino, whatever. Like in your seat or at the at the cage. Those are the only two times that you ever yeah. like like count your money or or do something with it. Or otherwise, keep in your pocket. Sometimes, if I have to, like if I have a big wad of cash in the casino, there were some times where I would go into the restroom and go into the stall and like arrange all of my bills and stuff in there because yeah. I'm so like hypersensitive to the fact that maybe I've heard too many horror stories of people being followed out of a casino that I am so nervous about pulling out more than three, $400 out of my pocket. And yeah, in all seriousness, it, you're absolutely right. And I have some firsthand stories of people who have been robbed. Yeah. Whenever Dr. Mike and I leave the casino, uh, we're always looking, even if we've lost and we hardly have any money on us, you know, we're looking all around as we leave. We're looking in the rearview mirror, you yeah. know, uh, the whole drive. And so, yeah, that's exactly something right. to keep in mind. These guys were probably drunk, though. So Probably drunk. Look, I've been pretty wasted in a casino, and I've... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he breaks that deal with his bookie on a 10-day pay. Um, 
like like i don't know how dealing with a bookie is anymore i don't know if uh i, I think and i mean i i, I don't know um <laughs> the only time i've ever had to deal with that was uh i don't know idea i i didn't have his phone number it was just a venmo <laughs> transaction right uh so getting this getting this glimpse in the old it's, school it's getting, different now huh? it's so different now getting that glimpse in the old school bookmaking from these movies and such is always so fascinating because i'm like you know it gets portrayed in the 70s, 80s, and 90s as like this tough guy who's going to break your legs. And now it's just like a college student who's like, come <laughs> on, man, just bet. Like, you, you can't bet with me until you Venmo me, right? Like, it's yeah. uh, it's it's that, yeah. Yeah. Well, he does, Bill, does end up meeting his bookie like in a diner or something. And right. what is nice, too, is, you know, the cliche is, yeah, the bookie's going to send somebody to beat you up. And, you know, there's none of that in this movie. Certainly, Bill is concerned that that might happen to him ultimately. But he does meet with his bookie uh, and he doesn't have the bookie's money, you know, and the bookie, you know, starts by having pleasant conversation, then slowly realizes that, you know, Bill doesn't have the money and and gets very angry. Uh, I don't have too much more to say about this this scene other than the bookie is played by the man who wrote the screenplay for the movie, Joseph Walsh. If I ever do anything to help produce a film, my requirement will be to be somewhere in the film. (laughs) May not be a speaking role. Could just be something behind the the counter or something like that. But like, if I, if I produce, write, direct, whatever, I will be in the movie somewhere. And I always love it when those, when, when that's the case. Yeah. So you can, I I think it's a, if you're going to give credit to anybody for the realism here from a gambler standpoint, I think a big part of it goes to him the screenwriter again, Joseph Walsh and to Altman, because ultimately, you know, he is running things and makes needs to make sure everything's going right. I think I was very quickly doing a little research before uh, we started the show here. And I think Joseph Walsh, he might still be alive, was talking about how authentic the movie is. And that was important to him, you know, from a screenwriting uh, standpoint. So he's obviously from that world too, you would think basically if he's, and he's got like a broken leg, in the scene, which isn't important. I, I wondered if maybe his leg was really broken in real life and that's how they, <laughs> anyway. yeah, maybe. Yeah. So the, the next, the next note I have is about Charlie running off the Tijuana. So anything you have between now and that is, I have nothing written down. Okay. This well, is why I, I really started getting watching the movie. Yeah. I will talk about this. There is a scene where Charlie is hustling these teenagers or young men in basketball. Uh, you know, he's playing basketball with them and, and then at one point says, oh, I'll take any, you know, any of you one-on-one and ends up, you know, hustling the guys for like $49 or something like that. And it's not a, it, the, the, the scene doesn't move the plot that much, but it just kind of shows you everything to this character is about the action. Yeah. And it's, and I think that also shows that this isn't just a recreation. It's kind of his livelihood, right? Like when you, when you think about a character like this, when you see a character in TV movies that like, you're like, what does this person do for a living? They're constantly doing things that isn't work. Right. Yeah. And so I think when I saw that, I took that as like, yeah, sometimes he does need to hustle some teenagers at a basketball park to get his money for the day, right? Like for you know, like that's, <laughs> right, just to, to yeah. get his next meal or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other, I think this happens around the same time as that scene. Uh, Charlie's been gone for a few days. Bill's like, "Where have you been?" And he's like, "I had a dream. I was in Tijuana at the racetrack, and I cleaned the sheet, I like a sweep across the sheet." So what? What? Of course, I had to go. And like, and so I love how he justifies running to Tijuana to bet on dogs because he had a dream that he swept the sheet. And he's like wearing this like very stereotypical like yeah. Mexican hat. And he's like got a, uh, 
um uh i don't know what do you think what, do you, what was those things you swat at for no, candy had like or whatever a, yeah it was like a small pinata like pinata a, yeah a parrot or something oh yeah, man i, I was laughing that, yeah. so hard it's like i had yeah. to go i it's such a degenerate <laughs> god yeah and you're talking about this I, i'm trying to think of of s- some gambling game well-known gambling game that isn't featured somehow in this movie yep uh because we talked about track poker he went down to bed on the dogs in you know, in Tijuana. You know what there wasn't? What's there that? wasn't there wasn't Flip It, which is featured in Lay the Favorite. That's, <laughs> That's right. Lay the Favorite has a big advantage over California yeah, Split got, in this respect. It, it has Flip It. That's true. <laughs> um, it, he ends up back at the, the. Forgive me for jumping ahead here, but no, the, 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 he forgives me. He, or he. Uh, he uh, ends up back of the track and uh, finds the the villain, the guy who sort of led the robbery uh, of him earlier, and corners him in the bathroom. And it has to be one of the best exchanges I've seen in a fight scene, where he goes to like tackle the guy, and the guy punches him square in the nose. He Charlie yeah. falls straight down and just praises how great of a hit it was. He was like yeah. right on the button. He's like, oh, that is definitely busted. And he's just praising the guy, and then he gets up and kind of kicks his ass and and, yeah. and leaves. But I just love just the the composure to realize he just got hit on like on the button and was yeah. like just like that was something. Yeah, it's I I, lo- I love the scene too for the way it starts because Charlie goes in there obviously to you know uh, get his money back or somehow you know uh, maybe to beat him up. Who knows? But he goes there. And the the guy, Lou, looks at him and just immediately punches him, right? There's not right. even a chance for Charlie to say anything. He just That's what I would up. do. He says a little something, and Lou knows this guy. He knows why he's cornering him in a bathroom and just punches him. If I yeah. wronged a man like that, I'm not waiting to hear what he has to right. say. Right, yeah, there either. you go. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's not here to talk. I'm glad you brought up that scene because for some reason I didn't write it down here. And it's and it's, as he leaves, as Charlie goes to leave, he two guys come in and of course, like it's like, well, how do you explain this? What happened? Charlie quickly goes, Yeah, I just I wrestled he was trying to kill himself after losing the last race. I tried to help him and like leaves. Yeah. And I was like, That's such a great way to follow like, the guys keep not looking like, what should we do anything? What did what, what did he say? Oh yeah. man. Yeah, that's good. All right, so I was just going to say, uh, you know, um, leading up to sort of the the finale of the movie, Bill has heard about a game uh, up in Reno, yep, uh, a low ball game, a poker game, uh, that he's sure that he can beat. And uh, initially, Charlie's saying, "What are you What are you talking about? Let's just go to Vegas, right? There's got to be a game in Vegas too. You know, it's a lot closer than Reno." He said, "No, I'm going to Reno. I'm going to Reno." And they kind of argue back and forth. Uh, exchanging some unpleasantries but then eventually charlie says hey you want me to come with you and bill's like yeah of course i want you to come and so they take the bus up to reno and they go ahead i don't know if this is when they got the reno or before they got on the bus i'll say here but there's a there's an a white elephant statue, and Charlie's like, rub the elephant. He's like, I'm he's like I'm not gonna. He's like, I'm not superstitious, but rub Dumbo's Dumbo's trunk before we play. It must have been when they got in the Reno because it I was think yeah, it was-, it was actually at the casino. So the okay. casino that this was filmed at, and certainly you see it everywhere, is the Mapes Casino in Reno. It's not there anymore. It was a, a, a like a national landmark at one point, but. I guess they had some engineers come in and say, you know, this place, it's we it's we can't recover it. It was so poorly built to begin with. So it's been demolished. So it's it's not there anymore. But the Mapes Casino, M-A-P-E-S, and you can see it on uh, chips and on name tags and things like that. But, yeah, that's where he rubs the 
the trunk. <laughs> love Dumbo's trunk. Or he's like, I'm not superstitious, yeah. but rub Dumbo's trunk yep. before we yep. play. I just yep. love that I'm not superstitious with the demand to do something superstitious. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, exactly right. yep. And Elliot Gould nailed this role. It's so yeah. good. Oh, it, yeah, I agree. So uh, they go into the back room where the poker game is. And uh, the while they're waiting for a seat. So the idea is Bill is going to play, but they're they're pooling their money. Uh, but Bill's going to be the one sitting at the seat. So as they're waiting for a seat to open, they're exchanging some pleasantries with the barmaid. I, I you know, I forgot to write this actress's name down, but it's sad. She died like during filming. She oh. had some kind of undiagnosed something aneurysm or something like that. But anyway, uh, she they they are exchanging pleasantries with her. And then Charlie is explaining to Bill what every player is like. In other words, what their playing style is. Okay, see the guy there with the hat, uh, you know, he's really tight or, you know, he he doesn't like getting involved. They, he goes around the table, describes every player, you know, how what kind of poker player they are. And Bill's kind of nodding in the green. Um, one of the players at the table is Amarillo Slim, a, a real poker player from the time, very famous poker player, uh, kind of his career. Now, look him up if you want to. He had some controversy with some unpleasant things. But uh, anyway, he was famous at the time, certainly. Um, but Bill sits down at the game and uh, starts to play. Uh, he gets a little, as play's going on, he stands up from the table and he says, Charlie, I can't play with you here. You know, it's you made me too nervous or I don't know what. Charlie says, what are you talking about? This is half my money. I want to, you know, I want to watch and says no no you got to get out of here so most of the action from that point on follows charlie going through the casino you don't really see much of the poker play right uh at, with bill other than you find out as things are going along that he is starting to really beat this game and winning and winning and winning but meanwhile charlie's going to the cashier hey how do i get a line of credit you know, we, I've got <laughs> no. Alone yeah, I've got I've got no information, but just trying to get. Uh, what can I do here? And uh, there is one kind of funny scene where he's walking by some slot machines. There's a janitor. This is just so funny. They put this in. There's a janitor that's cleaning up with a broom. I don't even know if you saw this. The janitor sees a, a coin in the slot machine and picks it up and puts it <laughs> puts it in and pulls the lever. It looks and nothing happens. Just keeps going on, and it's it. You know, it, it's not really called attention to. I I yeah. rewound to make sure I was seeing it correctly. But uh, um, yeah, couple go ahead. A couple things of the poker game. Um, when the woman that's uh, attending the bar there, as Charlie is explaining all of the, or he's describing all the players. As he tells, as he explains the last one, he throws in a little bit of a joke, and the woman who is sort of like she's framed by Bill and Charlie's faces, and she's but she's behind the bar. She kind of smiles and laughs, and then she goes into saying, "Hey, that was a really good job." And I wonder, I convinced, I I watched it one more time. I think she broke, and I and then, but I think they kept it in because it it would make sense that the bartender would find that joke funny as well. But it's such a genuine smile and laugh yeah. right on cue that I was like, I'm pretty sure that actress just broke right there, and they just left it in because it worked. I, yeah, there had to have been a lot of ad living in this movie. Just it, you see it, you think, okay, not all of this could be scripted, right? I mean, it's just things happen too naturally. And again, there's so much dialogue going on, but you're probably right. Yeah. You know, she probably, you know, and just left it in and, and you know, there are, it seems like Altman does keep the camera rolling through a lot of things that happen, you yeah. know, even if it's maybe somebody looking right at the camera, you know, and when, then moving on, you know, so. 
and when when the dealers uh divvying out chips when bill sits down he says yellows are twenty dollars which is very new to me uh i do not remember a time when chips would represent uh twenty dollars it was that a thing earlier in poker or is that a, is that normal yeah i'm, I'm such a casino player i'm used to five and 25 right yeah but, i i i have a feeling it was not that uncommon and now that you mention it too, the five dollar chips they weren't red. I can't remember. I don't remember. What I should are. have written that down. But yeah, the colors definitely were different. Yeah. 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 Um, that's all. That's all I really remember actually. For or, or all I had for for the poker poker game there. Yeah, and then basically the movie sort of wraps up with again Charlie trying to get action at all these different games, and then Bill coming out of the poker game saying, I'm doing really well. Let's keep playing. Uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're good. I'm glad Captain yeah. Jack put it up Cap there. I knew she was the wife of somebody, and I couldn't remember who it was. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Captain very sad. Jack. She was like in her 40s, yeah. Yeah, Captain Jack pointing out that the bartender that we're talking about here, play, uh, played by Barbara Ruick, uh, died during filming. Her husband was John Williams, who composed uh, Star Wars and uh, the composer of Star Wars and, and other movie scores. So thank you, uh, yeah, Captain good, Jack. That was yeah, a great little, little, little nugget there. Yeah, good. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, Bill comes out and he's winning and he's, you know, playing a lot of uh, blackjack and you you're you're used to these movies where it's like oh my gosh he won all this money at poker now he's going to lose it at regular casino games because at one point he says to charlie i've lost the rhythm of the poker game it's like i'm done you know that's it so he ends up playing some blackjack he plays some roulette and really you're thinking oh it's all going to go down in roulette but no he hits his number 26 then they go to the craps table, and he goes on this incredible run that includes incredible heater. four 11s in a row. And, you know, they're asking the the dealers, yeah, have you ever seen a run like that? Well, that's one of the best ones I've seen. You know, it's, yeah. it really seems like real dealers there. And then I don't know if we want to kind of talk about how the movie ends, but that's basically the the guts of it. So uh, the few notes that I have in this last uh, few scenes here with the as he's on this winning streak – um charlie sits down so charlie's been shooed away by bill bill actually get, bill is starting to believe that charlie may not be the best thing to have around while he's gambling so he, every time charlie gets near him he tries to shoo him away um here's a question i have for you half of that half of what he has coming out of the poker game is charlie's but bill like I, I feel like Charlie was like trying to suggest, hey, let me have some of my money. And Bill was refusing. He was like, no. Yes. I, I kind of, that's the only thing that I felt was unrealistic in that I feel like in their relationship and with Charlie, I kind of feel like being the mentor to Bill along this journey, I think would have had enough authority to get his half at that point. That's the only part of this whole sequence where I was like, I don't think that's actually how it would, but it's, 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 you know, essential for the, for the, the movie, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was I, like, I feel know, like I Charlie would have yeah. gotten his half there. I think you're right. And if you're talking about absolute real life, yeah, that probably would be the case. But I think that kind of was the point is, you know, the, the student has become the master, you know, that kind it, of thing. Or, and, and it makes it suspenseful because you make <laughs> it makes you think that Bill might lose it, right? Like he's yes. it, it's oh, very yeah. it's almost owning Mahoney-ish, where it's right. like he's not giving, he's not taking care of his profits, he's gambling with it, right? And you have flashbacks to Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> losing a million in, in poker. I don't yep. know what it was. He was right. by the way, I just did this. You're like, what is it? There's a fly in front of okay, me. I don't know yeah. if that came up on yeah. camera. I'm not. I'm not uh, going nuts over here. Um, when Charlie sits, <laughs> Charlie sits down at a blackjack table, and he's like, I bet the I bet the Milky Way. 
Yeah, he, that's put right. out, he put out a candy bar. He's like, I bet the Milky Way. He even, he even tried to bet it in the field on the craps table. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a field bet with the Milky Way. Yeah. Oh, but gosh. I'll tell you, the, the only unreal... Okay, I'll, I'll talk about another real thing, too. At one point, um, Charlie is betting... Excuse me, Bill is betting like $300 a hand in blackjack using bills, right? You yes. know, money plays. Money plays. And even the way that the cards are dealt are is correct. You know, a lot of times it'll be some actor or actress who's just, you know, not a real dealer. But sure enough, the very first hand, the cards are kind of dealt to the player. And then the, the remaining two hands, she puts the cards under the money which is how they'll deal when a single player is playing multiple hands. Just little things like that, you know, that, that don't matter, that the general public wouldn't even notice. It's just so nice to see in a movie, especially a movie as old as this one is. Yeah, um, man. The, I mean, this, I think of if it's cl- easily the most accurate gambling movie we've covered and possibly the most accurate gambling movie I've seen without, without truly like going back and seeing, uh, but uh, you're right. All the little nuances, all the little, even like, like, like the janitor picking up, putting like that's like it's not like that's not like gambling accurate, but I feel like that's casino culture accurate, right? Especially <laughs> yeah, in the because... '70s, like, yeah, why wouldn't he just throw it in the, in the machine right there? And it's some young kid too, you know. I say it's right. janitor, but it's like some you know twenty year old or something who you see do it. So, um, so um, I have a couple things here, but yeah, I'm actually because um he he calls the uh the black and yellow chips the bumblebee chips which i thought was uh was yeah. cute what cute yeah. uh, way to call that um i'm yeah i have a couple notes here that i'm actually not going to mention because i am going to uh i my final point on this movie is i've man i'm really close to saying this is my favorite gambling movie ever uh I, round, yeah. rounders is the only movie i can i i am having a hard time um put putting california split over only because rounders was for a lot of people and myself monumental into like how much i enjoyed poker and maybe like it may, it may i feel like a movie was made for uh for my community right of gamblers and not that i was a professional poker player or any good at it but um it came around around that time that i was starting to identify as a gambler right and so it's it's but i can say i'm very surprised that a gambling movie from the 70s upon first watch i'm just like it it i can't think of a second movie other than rounders that competes in the top spot for me and maybe rounders maybe rounders it's easier to identify with the characters than maybe the characters in california split i guess it depends on where you're coming from um i don't know if you think that's true or not say that again so i think Maybe one of the reasons people might prefer Rounders is because it's easier to, to identify with oh. the characters in Rounders than the characters in California Split. What do you think of that? <laughs> that might be why I liked I California mean, Split more. Hey, there you go. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm not a serious poker player, but I am yeah. someone who, when you get on a heater, love it. Just don't don't look at my money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. to the craps table. Yeah. Um. I think you know that's actually probably a reason. That's probably a really good reason. Uh. Why explaining why i enjoyed this movie so much is because i mean i'm not a horse better i mean that's the one thing that i that you know whenever horse uh betting is is on a screen i don't resonate too much with it because i don't i haven't done a lot of it but the 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 behavior of those gamblers is still something i resonate with right and the the, the balance i loved in it charlie's balance of being like 
you could tell you could tell he knew what he was doing but also like was a degenerate like like you could tell he just wanted the action but was smart about the way he did it and i mm-hmm. think that's something that i think rec plus betters can kind of understand right like we take it seriously but we also just kind of like the gamble for you yeah. know a little bit and so um that is probably why california splits uh did so well with me to, and oh, I, this yeah. was the first time i ever watched it and i was just and elliot gould just nails this performance yeah I am kind of angry at myself for not mentioning this movie in the past when asked about like top movies. Cause I usually do put rounders in there and it, it angers me that it did. It took a second showing a, t- a second viewing rather for me to kind of come around on this because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this at the top of my list until something better comes along. It really is that good. So I'm at, so um, la- a couple last year or two years ago, um, uh, Vinny from the Seven Out podcast put out like his top thirty. No, it was yeah. yeah, it was, yeah it was a couple years ago before he went to went out to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. and he put out his top thirty uh, gambling casino or poker movies. And California Split wasn't on it. I just went back to check it. I was like, I wonder where Vinny put this. And then it wasn't even on there. And I don't blame anybody because I remember some people like tweeting about it and like, oh, I'll get around to watching that, I suppose. But it, it's never mentioned enough for me to think it was like one of these movies that I've been missing out on. And boy, yeah. have we misrepresented a fantastic gambling movie. Yeah. And I think that probably two things. Vinny probably hasn't seen it. And again, right. I don't blame him either. Right. right? And one of the reasons it was kind of hard to find. You know, actually now it is easier. It is on a lot of services. But the first time I saw it, I think I had to wait for it to come on to like Fox Movie Channel or something, you know, that shows old movies. And I just recorded it off the air. I couldn't find it anywhere else. I probably could have, you know, gotten like a Netflix DVD account or something. But uh, right. you know, I couldn't I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. So the first time I saw it, I actually, re- you know, recorded it, DVR'd and watched it that way. So it is a lot easier to uh, see now. So hopefully we've convinced some people to give it a try so the only talking point i have that i want to talk uh get to on this movie before we move on is do you think that the story of looking at charlie charlie's character do you think the story of a roaming mysterious i kind of consider like like this roaming gambler do you think that is is interesting or is compelling in 2021 like if you try to recreate charlie as a character in modern day do you think it's as fun or as as doable and the answer might just be yes but i try i i tried to think of um contemporary examples and i really couldn't think of any and i just i just kind of wondered if because part of what makes a gambler in the before the dot-com area interesting right is there's a lot of mystery to it but i think the mystery of gambling has gone has kind of gone or uh, the mystery of gamblers has gone away a little bit with social media technology uh there's you know you you don't have to go fly off to nevada to do a lot of what you wanted you can do what you want in half the country now right and so it's it's not as mysterious or is uh kind of uh, maybe edgy as it once was. Do you do you think a character like this would work in 2020 or be be as well done? Yeah, that's a good question. I you know I, I am thinking. Okay, so people who saw this when it came out in theaters in 1974, there were most of them probably weren't familiar with every kind of gambling that was being done here. Whereas now, somebody watching California Split from 1974, like us, like a Rec Plus, probably think, oh yeah, I've I've delved in all of those things that they're doing to some form or another. So maybe you can't because it wouldn't be quite as mysterious now, no matter what you did. So I don't know if I can answer that question. You're talking about maybe the closest thing now, maybe Mississippi Grind 
Yeah, which is another that... movie I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. So oh, you haven't seen it. Oh, okay. I seen it yet. Oh, you yeah, well, okay. We need to we need to put that on the list then for okay. one coming up because that's they're not the same by any means. But you know, it is gambling. There is kind of a road trip element to it. Um, yeah, that's okay. the only thing I can think of. I, I I don't know how to answer the question, but I guess I'm leaning that's towards fine. no. It, it probably couldn't be made today. Not the same. I think the I think the aura of the character couldn't be replicated. That's that's what I came to. I think you could make someone interesting who like dabbles in the multiple arenas of betting and stuff like that. But I think the aura of this like guy or gambler who just sort of because it because part of that has to be a sports better and being a sports better that stuff moves so much more quickly than it does yes, you just can't yes, hang around right. a, you just can't hang around and possibly bet something on it you know like oh i'm, I'm caught you know like the you have to act on so many things so much more quickly that i think the sort of the roaming um uh, gambler i think is a little more difficult to portray and you could argue that the charlie character is very much a 1970s character and yeah. just, you know, if you made the movie today, you'd still have to set it in the 70s. How about that? <laughs> there, there, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to uh, Lay the Favorites. Uh, let's preface it by saying that I read the book, Lay the Favorites, okay. before the movie was made. You have not read the book. I have not read the book. So we're definitely coming at it from two different perspectives. And I am guilty, if that's the right word, of tending to enjoy movies uh that i uh, that are based on books i've read more than the general public okay so if i've read a book i'll go in and think you know hey this was pretty good it was it was terrible oh okay maybe because i've got the background of the characters that you know doesn't come out in the movie but i'm i'm coming into the movie with that so uh you know i'm probably the first time i saw lay the favorite i was probably coming in uh almost guaranteed to like it more than most people would. How about that? Yes. So uh, my context is, I don't remember how long ago it was um, that I saw it for the first time, but I stumbled across it because I was looking for gambling things, I think on Amazon. And I think I stumbled across Lay the Favorite and I was like, oh, Bruce Willis, Captain Steve. Yeah, I'll watch this. Sure. Um, so that's how I that's how I ended up there um lay the favorite came out in 2012 it has a pretty star-studded cast with bruce willis rebecca hall Catherine zeta jones vince vaughn joshua jackson uh beth raymer and laura preppin which i thought was a uh <laughs> when i watched for the yeah. second time i was like oh that's right she's in this yeah, yeah. um so uh, a star-studded cast it uh as you mentioned it is based on a book that i don't think many people know when they when they talk about this book um and people who are familiar um i'm a little nervous now that i know that he's like watching the stream because i don't want to like i don't want to misspeak in any way that i like the, anything i know about uh, about <laughs> Dink. but i think that sports betters that watch this movie not knowing it was originally a book may confuse this for being a uh show that was that was inspired by dink because we're familiar as familiar as him as a character inside inside this community well keep in mind too that this is a true story well obviously you know if dink's in it you're probably thinking it is going to be it is a true story obviously they take a lot of liberties liberties when they make a movie but it is a a true story written by Beth Raymer, the main character in this film. It's basically, it's like a biography, a mini, mini autobiography. Yeah. Uh, again, like we do with most of these movies, I'm going through the gambling related parts, uh, the, the non gambling related parts that'll be for you to watch, uh, when, and if you decide to, to watch this movie, um, 
Rebecca Hall plays Beth. She shows up at Dink Inc., which is just an absolute great name for uh, for a business. Dink, you nailed it there. Dink Inc. is exactly what you should, should have named your business. Great. Um, I love that Bruce Willis is eating as he opens the door. And the reason why I love this is because I th- I think that very well portrayed like a per- like a professional gambler's aura in that you just sort of eat when you are an aura, but like a, like a like you sort of eat when you get a chance. You're con- and they did the same thing with Rusty's character in Ocean's Eleven. He's always eating in like a lot of scenes, and it was for that same reason of like, well, you're so busy, you're doing things, you don't like have time for formal meals. So I kind of like that the that it, it begins with him opening the door, um, and uh, uh, with eating. Um, he claims that he, uh, Bruce Willis's character, uh, uh, claims to play some poker, but not blackjack because it doesn't have, it doesn't involve any skill. And I thought those are really weird. Like, I thought that was a weird game to include in that line because that's the, like the one game that I think anybody who knows about gambling knows that there could be skilled applied to blackjack. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is kind of a, confusing line almost yeah it seems out of character it doesn't seem to make sense certainly to gamblers so yeah i I agree that's a that's an awkward line yeah um uh he mentions you can do this in nevada or online overseas um uh list what he's been on and he doesn't mention soccer in one he talks about everything from this to that and soccer doesn't get mentioned once uh, I'm curious. If, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if the actual Dink has ever bet on a game of soccer. That's that's what I want to know. Okay. Um, all you have to do is say 55. percent It's that easy. That's why so many of us betters are uh, <laughs> are. Uh, and I th- there's a really great. Uh, this made me think of the reason why I wrote this down. I can't remember what it's called, but there is a there is a documentary on. I think it's available on Amazon or something. It's not. It's not action. It's something that came out years ago. Teddy covers is in it and he talks to some kid who like claims he can easily hit 60% in the NFL. And Teddy quickly is like, I will, uh, I will bet, you know, anything that you can't hit 60%. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, I think it was great that they, uh, that they made that obvious early in the movie that a professional gambler does not win a bunch, a a bunch. It's just a little bit over that half mark. Yeah, that is good. And I'm glad you brought that up because if any, if anything, you can't beat at 60% would be the NFL, right? It's probably the tightest line in all of sports, right? It's probably the most accurate line. And so I don't think any legitimate uh, uh, sports better is going to say they're getting 60% on the NFL. Uh, Dick explains what he's trying to do. He looks at an odd screen and it's the Don Best odd screen, which is a very popular on, uh, odd screen service um, that uh, if you're a sports better, you're, you should be familiar with. But if you're not, uh, Don Best and a number of other um uh, another of other services have these screens with with team with spreads and games all that sort of stuff and it updates on where on which book has what line and a lot of betters use this to track movement i have not found an odd screen that covers the united soccer league that covers league two in the uh, efl that covers any of the tier tier two or below this uh uh leagues that i bet so i do not use uh, a service like that but i thought i i paused it and i looked in the in the browser sure said don best uh i think it's mentioned later in the movie or yeah later in the movie but uh, I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice touch. And then, if anybody follows Dink on Twitter uh, at Dink Inc., you'll know that his profile pil- uh, profile 
picture is a hamster and i didn't notice this the first time but he actually points out a pet hamster on his desk and i thought that was a that was a nice touch um that uh, with this hamster there. that's right and even in the closing credits it says that dink and his wife uh, adopted a special needs hamster yes it's one of the little yeah. things at the end there yeah <laughs> um mark um a, a week ago when we decided to do these two movies i was like i wonder if there's a way for me to get uh, to get dink on here and then i was like i don't know if i i don't have it like i didn't, I didn't know how to get a hold of dink and then yeah. the, the, yeah. my birthday and everything uh but here we are luck would have it luck would have it that mr dink himself is here with amazing us. Dink, thank you. I, I, it's first of all, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're sick of sports betters like myself uh, telling you how great, how big of a legend you are uh, to some of us. But Dink is look, D- look, Dink is a name that I've heard for for as long as I've been betting on uh, betting on sports, which goes. I, I, I mean, I've been betting on sports very well for very long, but I have been betting on sports very poorly for quite a long time. Uh, and Dink is a name that often gets uh, floated about. I was pleasantly surprised years ago when I first watched this movie. I saw the name on the door. I was like, oh, Dink, I, I recognize that name. Um, I'm flattered that you've joined us here. I'm curious, um, from your perspective, uh, first of all, how did you feel when you learned that Bruce Willis was going was gonna to portray you in a movie? You know, in a movie, I'll see it when I believe it. And as it got to be a fact, I was kind of flabbergasted by the whole thing, I guess. It was... <laughs> An interesting selection. Did he yeah. nail your personality? Did he? Did he really? Was was the um, we saw? So he did a couple of things. We talked about a couple of things that I would have that I'd mentioned to him. Okay. Rebecca Hall was spot on as Beth. That's hard to really. Oh, yes. that's great to hear. Yeah. Good. Yeah, you have to know Beth. Rebecca Hall hailed Beth before she got the role, so she could get the role, and. and Rebecca yeah, Hall's English and Beth Ramer's anything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's English. Well, you know, uh, Tim, before the show started, we were kind of talking about her. And that's one thing that impressed me the first time I saw the movie was how good Rebecca Hall was in the role. Uh, I, I think, Tim, we were talking about how you thought that maybe she was kind of playing the, the ditziness a little too much. But yes. to hear Yeah, but to hear that's, that's say Beth. it, that's Beth. Okay. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, I stand corrected. It was... <laughs> So I, and I get and maybe you can say that this is, you, it sounds like she nailed the character. So the, the part that I struggled with was, you know, the the movie continues to remind us that she's good with numbers, that she's smart, that she's getting this, but she also has like it almost feels like she's like ditzy on the far on the other side of the spectrum. So like the dissonance there was too difficult. But you're saying that that's who the character is. Brilliant entity, photographic memory, just knows a lot of things about a lot of things and. She, I mean, that's not an act. She's really, it's a, it's a personality, but <laughs> you realize that she is brilliant. That trick with the alphabetizing words is, yeah. actually, is a fact. Is a fact. Wow, that's great. And, you know, it, it is the kind of thing where you see that in the movie, you know, oh, okay, they put that in her to make her look smart, but of course that didn't happen in real life. It's great to hear that that's true. The only other person I know that does that is Steve Christ. He's a horse racing analyst. Um, pretty famous in the horse betting. And for those who haven't seen the movie, basically the trick is you would you would give a word to Beth, and she would repeat the letters of that word back to you alphabetically. Yeah, simply cat would be A C T. Yeah, right. But, but, <laughs> but Beth she uses law every state and countries and sentence structures, and it just yeah. falls right into place for her. Yeah, that's great. Um. 
uh man i now i get to say now i get to talk about my my i get to point out these scenes and then get a first-hand uh first-hand uh opinion with on the accuracy here uh you guys are at the rio uh you go to the rio sports book um another better asks for her to go to go to the counter to make a bet gives her some money on uh on top she refuses it and and uh bruce willis says like take the money did, did was beth that way did you have to convince her to take real money or take um, she never was really put in that position i mean she got paid a salary to work for me oh, okay so, i so mean that the only was- bonus that she would get is if we did really well okay uh so there was nobody asking her to do something for something okay well, that, that, that's, I, I definitely want to know what the reality was and what was uh, what was a little bit of uh, Hollywood pumped into into this movie. I, I think she wouldn't take the money if it was a friend of mine. And I okay. Was. Um, uh, was, um, I I make my money where the casinos are wrong. Um, that's you know you've been in this racket for a long time, Dink. Uh, like how how young were you when you realized that was possible? Well, I didn't get to Vegas till I was forty two, so there was the casino line. But there were offshore bookmakers when I lived in New York. I grew up in New York City that had bad numbers. You know, it's more like they're not wrong because I know the Yankees are going to win. They're wrong because they're using a line that's just twenty cents off the right. real bad one. So at that time, when I first got to Vegas, was about the time that that ended, that the runners community got too big and everybody was perfect in what they bet and what they didn't bet. So no longer did Caesars have nine and Bally's had 11 on a basketball game that would have been taken care of. I think that is the most difficult thing to get recreational bettors to understand is that betting a line does not especially a money line does not mean you think that team's going to win is that the is that the 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 line is mispriced right. and yeah that is that is the biggest that when i when i went from understanding that to being able to being able to apply it that's when i made a big step in my bill in in my success in in sports betting we all know the horrible teams we all know that baltimore is a horrible baseball team but that doesn't mean we should never bet baltimore sure within the price what what's the price you get two to on a game that they should they will win more than one out of three times. That's a good bet. A few weeks ago, I bet uh, a nine to one underdog in the USL. Uh, it the, it opened at plus nine hundred. It closed at plus three fifty, and 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 it got home. Um, yeah, there you, it, there you go. Um, the now the person who bet at three fifty won as well, but he did not make a good bet. No, yeah. there you go. There you go. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. What um, so I thought something I really thought was really so Beth admits to her life as a stripper and pornography. Dink admits to I mean, you, Bruce Willis admits to uh, booking illegally in the Midwest. And I actually thought it was a really nice exchange of of like personal forgiveness, not being bothered by past. Uh, I, 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 the first time I watched it, I didn't I didn't like really think anything of it. But the second time, like that, that that exchange like stood out to me and. And just like, look, everybody's got baggage. It's there's no reason why my baggage is any less, um, any less embarrassing or weighing me down any more than yours. But I, I thought that was a nice exchange between the two. Well, of course, if you murdered somebody, that's a little heavier <laughs> oh. baggage. But, oh, sure. Both of those things are semi-legal in certain jurisdictions. 
So I, I, I raised and pillaged a, a, in a whole town. Can I be forgiven yeah. for that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was, that was a nice exchange there. Uh, they get back in the office. Uh, he walks her through uh, making a bet at Top of the World Sportsbook in Costa Rica. This was something – now, Mark, tell me if you cut... – so I feel like in the opening scene with them, Jink talks about everything being legal in the state of Nevada, and then he walks her through making a bet down in Costa Rica. I I, I felt like there was I feel like there was inconsistency there, um, at least in the writing. I did too. Yeah, that because there was that whole speech about how you know what I do here in Las Vegas is all legal, and then certainly at that time there was some. You know, even now, illegal in bed from Nevada offshores. It's oh, still not, it's still not illegal in most states to bet offshores. It's, I mean, that's okay. what I do. <laughs> <laughs> from Americans, no, no judgment. That's how a lot of us got down until until 2018 yeah, when everybody yeah. lived in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I live in California. That's the only choice we have right now. So, right. Yeah. There we, that's or, yeah. or a local bookmaker, which they've run out of. Sure. Yep. Right. Um, uh, I like the, uh, look, everybody loves watching a movie and then hearing the title of the movie get mentioned in the dialogue. Uh, you don't take the favorite, you lay the favorite. Uh, I like that. Um, uh, I like how that got added in, um, make it to a friend's house. Um, uh, I got too much on the under anyone, a piece of this, and then someone, uh, buys it for a couple of dimes. I thought that was a, a little, a fun little exchange in sports betting there of like someone who has exposure and selling it off to, to, to someone there. Um, nice little detail in sports betting. Um, Vince, Vince Vaughn walking in as, uh, the illegal bookmaker. And let me just say, I thought Vince Vaughn was brilliant in this role. I don't know what it is about a, about a schmoozy, uh, dirtbag book or bookie that, that, that he does so well in, but I thought he did really well. You could tell he was having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now in the book, that bookie was not a dirtbag bookie. That was one of the liberties that, uh, oh. Okay, Dink. How long did you how long did you really use one of those little beeper sports book t- uh, tickers for that long? Was forever and ever. <laughs> I love that. Until the phones took it, made it easier. And even then, the phones would have games out of order and college football games on teams that didn't, you know, Division Two. And I kept the beeper for as long as I could. That's Dink, great because that? that's a that's such a nice touch in the in the story. Yeah. I love uh, I love the office though of, of of full screens. I think that's I think that really epitomizes uh, the professional sports better atmosphere of like multiple screens. But I I actually uh, believe it or not, think I recall you being on uh, my guys in a desert just just a few years ago, and I specifically remember you talking about how you'll have more than two games on, but you can never really pay attention to more than two games. And I thought, and I think that's a great point as well, as much as we love this idea of screens everywhere else, you can't really like do anything beneficial and looking at watching a game. If you're trying to pay them more, more attention to more than two games. For sure. Sometimes I pop in seven twenty on direct TV and they have all the baseball games in a the box. They'll have eight games at once and it, I have to click one of the games just to go to one game at one time. Yeah. Right. Um, I like that they walked into Caesar's book and it was, appeared to actually be the Caesar sports book. Like I, as they were walking in there, I was like, holy smokes. I think that I'm pretty sure it's actually what it looked like in 2012. Yeah. They let us use a bunch of different sports. Books. Yeah. That's cool. You know, since we're talking about that too, Tim, I think I, when I was looking at one point they were in Harris and 
it really didn't look like the Harris in Las Vegas. So I was looking at some of the filming locations, the motel that they use in the movie, it's called the London Lodge Motel. And that's actually in New Orleans. Yep. So yeah. I, I'm thinking maybe they used Harris New Orleans as some interior for Harris. Do, do you know if that's true, Dink? Um, I know I did consulting for the 10 days they did it in Vegas and then they moved to Harris for three, three weeks. It was only, that's another story, but that movie was shot in 31 days and okay. um, they definitely did not use Harris in Vegas. Okay. No, yeah. not the, they used Bally's, which was right. The MGM. Now I, that it was Bally's back then, I believe. Yeah. With, yeah, I, yeah. I would switch to the MGM. Or was the engine? Was the engine? That, that was a scene with North Carolina. Okay. Um. So the the two girls are are in the casino. Uh, Beth and um uh and her friend, and she, she that's like, who are you texting? And she's like, it's my shrink. He has a tip on a game tomorrow. And I just I, don't know, I just I just love the idea that like someone randomly in your life would like know something about a. That's game. a great like, line. Yeah, I yeah. mean somebody that she can confides in. Yeah, her shrink is the <laughs> one who's giving her tips. Yeah, that's a good line. Um. Back in the office, uh, a horse wins, but Dink doesn't bet it. Uh, Dink, is there a story behind this? Is there? Do Do you know? No, like, it was just the way they were. Okay. Me going bad. I okay. I okay. I, I'm gl I'm glad to hear that because I was like, that doesn't seem like it. it that it was a, it was a weird part in the storyline of like having uh, someone who. I think the hardest the hardest part in watching a Bruce Willis's character go is. I know that the real life Dink is a professional better who I like to think uh, views all of this sports betting objectively. I'm sure uh, we, we've all done some subjective betting, but, and so whenever Bruce Willis does something subjective, that's when I'm like, nah, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but maybe it is. Well, sometimes you like a horse and then his eyes get too short and you decide. Uh, yeah. That wasn't explained in the movie, but that's the situation that would, yeah, I like the seven. I tell the office I like the seven, and then they run the race, and it goes to three to one right before I before right. and I go, I'm going to pass the three to one. Yeah, yeah. then it wins, and they they think I have it, but I I decided not to play because it had no value anymore. Something like that. Um, one of the one of the runners uh is at Celine Dion. Um, in the middle of the day, does Celine Dion used to have concerts in the middle of the day? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that was the, I was like, you don't have to be too much of a Vegas nerd to think like, wait, it's like lunch. Why is Celine Dion doing a show on lunch? Does she have a matinee? <laughs> yeah, that seemed like kind of a for. I mean, it's funny. That's supposed to right. be funny, but it seemed a little forced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, we find out. Um, we found out the woman who uh, took the tip from her shrink takes money from Dink. Uh, runs and something so something um oh, i can't remember which so she bet that independently right that wasn't a game that that dink also would have had action on right that was a that was a game independent of what dink was trying to get down i couldn't remember because dink was waiting for a line from her and i can't remember from, what 
from Holly, right? She instead bet all from the money Holly. on on the the uh, tip that she got from her shrink. In right. The, right, and I yeah. I know. So I think yeah, they must have been different because I think Dink's waiting for a Kentucky line. She bet a Toronto line, so I think it must have been uh, a different game. But yeah, it's um, Dink is immediately like, let's let's come up. How many payment plans did you have to put people on in your career, Dink? You because you was pretty quick to be like, this is normal. What's the payment plan? Yeah, about sixty percent of my runners. <laughs> And we went to the cost of doing business because it was still good enough to do. You know, yeah. To wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, when Ding tries to get death, uh, get Beth back, um, uh, he says that she's good with numbers. And this is this is my only uh, ding on the narrative that she is good with, like making her this smart, uh, good with numbers person. She really only shows this one time, right? It's only really that it, 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 at least from what I could like pick up on when he, when she takes the bet earlier in the, in the, the movie um, from Dink's friend and goes up and without writing it down, recites what the whole thing is. And she says, I'm good with numbers. And then, but then beyond that, I don't feel like we ever really got a real case for Beth being good with numbers, even though the movie had like told us that's the case. I just felt like there could have, they could have done more to anchor that part of her personality. I don't think a runner has to be good with numbers. They just have to know if you want minus five and a half, they should not bet minus six. And that's right. not, that doesn't qualify them as being good with numbers. It's just a little bit of common sense. Um, there's no part where she's handicapping the game and doing a model and go, oh, my mind has them winning 62% of the time. So we can't play something. You know, that would be something that runners and, and office help don't do. Right. And, you know, Tim, there is a scene later on where they're down in Curacao and she's like on some phones or she's trying to organize this very chaotic scene. It does seem like she's that's an example of her really understanding the numbers. Right. She's got somebody on the phone and she's spouting all out of the information. Outside. Understanding the business. She learned the business well. So she, yeah. she could run an office if she had to. Right. I just Curacao, think where there was chaos and that chaos had not existed to that extreme. But it did exist, and she was, you know, the right-hand man of the guy who worked around that office. Yeah, I um, when they get back to the when they get back to the office, this may be one of my favorite uh, favorite scenes. Um, Dink yells. <laughs> He yells at the screen that clearly there, where there's a pageant going on, and he's like, "I got five times I missed Israel, and she can't even make the top 10. <laughs> I had to pause the movie because I was laughing. <laughs> it's like I I can't imagine you've ever wagered on a Miss America pageant. Maybe you have. I don't know, but I I just the the idea that a professional gambler who has professional sports horses all around also has one screen for Miss America or for Miss uh uh it must have been uh, Miss Universe or, or yeah so yeah. yeah uh so for some pageant and it's just upset that his like the he uh his uh his uh, attendee or participant didn't get in the top ten so so good. We don't choose what we can bet on, so some places have things like that. You'll find it. Right, if you, yeah. If you look hard enough, you'll find some weird stuff to bet on. <laughs> you look hard enough, you'll find... Look, during the pandemic, we looked pretty hard, and we found some weird stuff. Um, I know just about your soccer thing. I don't remember too many people betting soccer in 20, you know, 2010. I it just started with a couple of World Cups, I think before and golf the same thing it, it wasn't on the board miss universe might have been on the board but <laughs> right 
Um, so it's 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 funny you say that because you know. So I bet a lot of second tier leagues now um, uh, because they're available. The stats are like there's plenty of data available. This I can even watch the games to get the eye test. Like there's I, you can watch a lot of stuff. I I think it's when um, I think it's when when he's part of his losing streak. Dink uh, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Dink Dink's losing his mind. Um, and someone says this is gambling, and I I kind of. I kind of like the idea that someone is um, is losing their mind a little bit um, uh, at the at some losses. I think even even the the smartest people uh, have that happen. Um, Dink is the '57 Chevy of gambling. Might be Vince Vaughn's best line. Dink, how do you feel? How do you feel about being referred to as a '57 Chevy? Good about longevity. Might <laughs> <laughs> not run too well, but it's been around for a while, I guess. But uh, I can see that. But I, I, at that time, I think I was not the dinosaur that I might be now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, that is a great line. And Vince Vaughn's character, you know, is very cocky kind of delivering that line. He goes on to say, but all modesty aside, I am the Ferrari. Or if Ferrari made a super fast tank with laser blasters sticking out, <laughs> I would be that of gambling. Right. So, I mean, that that sets up the, the Vince Vaughn character, right, is how, yeah. you know, OK, yeah, Dink is one way. I'm like this, you know, superhero. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm a grinder. I always have been a grinder. There you go. Good. Uh, she goes to pay a client at a diner. Um, her discretion is a little bit uh, embarrassing. Um, is this how far into reality do you think this is, uh, Dink? Do you think Beth, uh, in her early days in New York, would have would have made the mistake of being of uh, possibly paying someone with that little discretion? Yeah, she when she found out about what being an agent was, she kind of thought, you know, it's not that important that I get the track history of my clients. She met a, I think she met a doctor who was betting and thought that would be pretty much a guarantee of somebody who would bet. Uh, hmm. Well, you know, and Tim talking about that scene too, where she goes in the diner. I, I, I didn't particularly like that scene only because the gambler, I think Greenberg was his name in the movie. Um, he's, he's upset that she's about to give him all this money with some policemen at the counter. Right. And I thought, well, why is he even sitting there then? Why didn't, you know, as soon as she walked through the door, why didn't he right. take her out, right? Because obviously the bag she has is full of cash, right? Yeah. So I understand what they're trying to do with the scene, but it's also one of those things where you kind of second guess it. That's a great point. I think, yeah, the onus should have been on him if he was that yeah. aware of the of the, of the the setting, for sure. Um and this is again, this is a great example of how things are different. You don't get I don't you don't get backpacks of cash, you just give Venmo. <laughs> you get Venmo and Cash App. That's uh, you don't you don't have to worry about bags of cash. Um uh um <laughs> so it's just a whole bunch of Vince Vaughn. Uh, she Beth is blowing up at Vince Vaughn about his discretion, and she's like, "You played guitar here with the delivery guys while taking bets on the phone. You left who owes who on what on on or who owes what on the sheet on the booth at Sizzler. Uh, by the way, great Sizzler reference uh, for anybody who <laughs> remembers uh, that restaurant. Um, That's still around. Don't don't knock my Sizzler. Is this is Sizzler still around? In certain states, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're gone from here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, is uh, are you a Sizzler uh, fan? Dink, do you enjoy Sizzler? When I go to uh, PWG, which is a wrestling show that used to run in Reseda, we would all meet at Sizzler for the pre-PWG meal. Nice. Okay. <laughs> nice. 
It's, uh, it's a question. We couldn't do it at a big restaurant. Uh, um she so Beth's in hot water now or beth thinks she's in hot water um with uh with something that's going on with a guy who's not paying she's down in carousel now she's trying to help out vince vaughn and his uh his business uh vince vaughn's just doing cocaine and and hookers and stuff like that with everybody else she's trying to maintain a business she gets spooked that that maybe uh one of her clients who isn't paying is also possibly going to uh going to the feds uh, her boyfriend, played by Joshua Jackson, who is a really fantastic actor. I forgot he was in this until uh, until I saw it the second time. Uh, probably one another favorite line I have. Uh, he's like, "No, do not call my phone from Carousel, the gambling mecca of the Caribbean." <laughs> yeah, that is a great line. It just goes to show there's so much humor in this movie, and yep. and in her book as well. You can tell, right? I mean, it's just it's it's a true story, but there's a lot of great humor in it um that's a great writer for sure absolutely yeah and we'll talk about this maybe when we wrap up tim but it's when you're reading the book uh she is so such a good writer and she's so likable in the book uh you know uh being very honest about her own flaws or you know indiscretions or whatever and it 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 makes her even more likable you really feel like you know the person when you read the book I, uh, I'm actually not going to get into the last scene or two because I'm going to leave. I'm going to encourage people to watch the movie. Uh, I don't like giving a lot of spoilers on here when we can. Um, and, um, I will, I will end with this. I, now that I understand a little bit more of the, of the, of how well, cause so this is what was confusing me. Rebecca Hall is a good actor, right? Like she has been, she is, you know, she's been in some really great stuff. And so when I watched, I was like, man, this character is really acting ditzy. And I was like, and I, I was confused because like I am confident Rebecca's not overplaying this. So this must be where she was directed. And now now that we get the context from Dink that that is exactly who Beth is. Um, I think they could have done a better job anchoring the other side of her character then on, on showing you sort of the more brilliant part of her character to to show why she is so valuable to dink to these people and not just being this bright young person that that catches their eye one of the biggest flaws in the movie is they thought portraying beth as, as beth would work but most people rejected it as being very unrealistic yeah and that is that's all yeah that's always a problem when you uh, make a film based on real life is that sometimes if you're very accurate it's not convincing and maybe you have to put some other element into the movie to bring people around or change the personality. That's unfortunate. And and there's not much. I don't know what they could have done here. If that's really what Beth is like. Yeah, I don't know what else they could have done, because I think Rebecca Hall is wonderful in the role. You can listen to some of the old Beth interviews on NPR, and there's just some of them. You'll see that she's just like that. Yeah, that's what flawed um, Stephen Frears when he saw her, that he knew Beth and then. Rebecca Hall nailed Beth perfectly. Yeah. So how could, she, how could she not get the role? And then that kind of screwed up the movie as being like, what kind of a person? Are they, how come everybody's normal, but this girl is good? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, gosh, that's, I mean, that's that's disappointing. Gosh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, did you know that Beth was going to write that book? Like, like yeah. you- and I told her, don't waste your time. Who wants to live? Who wants to read about this business? <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, 
I mean, you, you you mentioned on Twitter, be kind. Uh, so I feel like we. If you couldn't tell us what you think. Uh, well, okay. So so what what I think my first time through it, I thought, okay, that's if I I was indifferent. I was like, okay, that was a a movie on gambling. Um, I watched the second time through for this uh, exercise. I thought more critically about it, and the only flaw that I saw was in Beth, and now that's been explained. Um, I think I I think that the I think that some criticisms are are just. I think there's too much uh, criticism. I think on like you, like Mark, you said you read the book, you went into this, you you liked the movie. I have not read the book. Uh, I didn't dislike the movie uh, at all, and I I do think that the uh, I do think that the overall judgment uh, I think might be. I think what it is, it's, it's it one. I think a lot of people don't understand gambling and stuff, right? So I think that's where a lot of reviews come. They I think people they I mean we, you we can nod our head, but like it sports professional sports betting and what he's doing i can only like that's fascinating to us but i still think there's a very limited amount of people who would actually want to watch a movie about that right and so you combine that with maybe the the opinion on on how beth is is played and i think you might end up with people just who just didn't like the movie people who read the book didn't necessarily have a clue about sports betting and the book got great reviews from those kind of people yeah it didn't work in the movie it just didn't yeah, and I was telling Tim before we started recording, I started reading the book, and my wife picked it up at one point and was looking at it, and she said, hey, this looks pretty good. We ended up reading it together and both loving it. And, you know, she's not a gambler. She doesn't know anything about sports gambling, and she really enjoyed the book. Good writer. Yeah, agreed. Um, what? Uh, so, Dink... What was what was your initial opinion when you when you saw the movie in its entirety for the first time? Oh, we saw it was a featured film at Sundance when I saw it the first time. And you're there with a full crowd of people. Um, yeah, it's just uh, that's me. And Bruce Willis was on stage, <laughs> and Rebecca Hall was on stage, and you know, it's more of the. I didn't stop looking at the, the picking the movie apart. Part uh, I knew Beth didn't like it. I knew Beth had a problem with. It. You know, okay. she said it's not what the book was. Didn't follow the script that much, and and, and she liked the, the the action of doing the movie with them, and we all had a piece of had some input onto the movie. Um, but it was rushed. It was sold to. Um, it was supposed to be filmed by a major motion picture studio. They said, "Get these actors, and we'll 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 film the movie." And then they just they reneged on that promise, and it was bought by a guy who immediately sold the movie based on the actors to some private people. So he didn't want to put another penny into the movie; it would just come out of his pocket. And the movie was really rushed. And mm-hmm. Steve Williams has such a good reputation that yeah. the expectations of this movie were higher than what delivered. Yeah. That was so. Um, I mean, this movie, this, so for people to get better context and Mark, I know you have a poker game you need to run off too soon. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, so this will be my last question for Dink and then you and I will wrap up, okay. um, for, to give people the context of, of the movie, like this came out in 2012, but at, at what, like what year were you and real Beth actually meeting and, and taking place? Like how far back does that go? Probably five years before, four years before, maybe. Okay. Two- Okay, so it wasn't actually too far off. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. now she wrote the book. She, she left me, was in New York for a few months, then went to Coast, 
then went to Curacao, then went to Columbia University in journalism. And how she got in there was very Beth-like. She didn't have the grades, but she did everything she needed to do to get in. Uh, and uh, then the movie came out, right? The movie was in production pretty quickly after the, she finished the book. So maybe in 2005, I guess, because at the beginning of our relationship, the begin that story takes four years to tell because sure. she worked for me for a while and then before she left Gerasol. Um, so I'd say 2005 was the first and 2009 might have been the last scenes. Okay. Okay. Um, Dink, I'm going to let you go so Mark and I can wrap up here. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Mark, do you have any ideas? It's amazing that you did this. You know, when I saw it, I go, wow, I'm going to have to listen to see what other people think about that movie. You were kind. I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> Dink, it was, it was great having you on. That was fun. But I, I enjoyed myself very much. Very good. good. Dink, I'm going to follow up with you to get you on for a feature on The Better Life. How does that sound? Sure, whatever you need. Very good. Thanks, Dink. Thank you. Uh, all right, Mark. What a pleasure that was! Oh what my a, god, what a treat! What a get! Fantastic! Yeah, you, yeah, you tell you you let them know you're late for your poker game because you were talking to legendary. Dink. I know, I did. I I don't know if you could see, but I was texting my wife, "Come down here, come down," so she could look and see. Look who's on! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh man. Okay, so um, I think I think it's I think it's clear that we need to watch Mississippi Grind for the yes. next one, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, we'll figure out. Actually, let's just just throw in two for the money. I that's when that one's been okay. sitting around in my head for a little while. Uh, so yeah, next time we'll do Mississippi Grind two for the money. Um, I think we got. I think we'll do a couple more episodes focus on movies, and then we'll get. And then I think uh, I like to get back to some of the random scenes and certain uh, TV shows and stuff like that. Like okay. uh, like from because that's always fun for me. But yeah, I think Mississippi Grind two for the money. Uh, Mark Duvall, thank you so much for for joining me, everybody. Thank you for for watching. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, Dink, uh, Ka- uh, Captain Jack, Chauncey, Carl, everybody. Thank you for uh, engaging us in a chat. And we'll see you next time. Man, what a what a privilege that was. Alan Dinkinson coming in uh, and chatting with us about Lay the Favorite, and then California Split. What a what a pleasant surprise on a movie that I just loved. Uh, it's so easy with gambling movies, Vegas movies to be like, well, that's not realistic. That's not exactly how it is. It's good. You know, there's all, you often get excited about things, but it doesn't like really quite hit the mark, man. This one, I mean, this, this movie kind of spoke to me. It's about gamblers gambling, man. That's, that's it. Loved it. California split, um, right there with rounders is my favorite gambling movies, uh, of all time. Um, the Alan Dinkinson thing was uh, was very much a surprise. Going into, uh, as I mentioned in the stream, going into doing this, I was thinking, well, I wonder if Alan, I wonder if Dink would be willing to I'd, willing to talk to us about this. I was like, guy, ah, you know, my birthday was the birthday stream was coming up. I was preparing for that, and it was a holiday weekend. Before I knew it, we were a day away from recording. I was like, I don't, I don't know Dink. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I have a good enough like connection to him to like get the to get the request to him in time. I didn't know, right? And, and so I just. Um, we just did it, and then I was, um, I was su- pleasantly surprised that um, Captain Jack Andrews uh, made Dink aware of the stream. Dink ended up watching it, and so I I sent a little little stream invite over to Dink, and he joined us. So, uh, I mean, it, that's as I told Mark Duvall afterwards. It's actually one of the reasons why I got into podcasting were, you know, was because of those opportunities to connect with people you may not otherwise connect with and have a platform to talk to them. 
So uh, that was a lot of fun for me, both as a podcaster and in a sports better. Uh, as we mentioned, Mississippi Grind and Two for the Money are the two movies we're going to be watching next. Uh, two for the Money is available on Prime Video, I believe, and then Mississippi Grind uh, apparently available on Hulu. At least that's uh, a quick uh, a quick search told me that. So um, I have not seen Mississippi Grind yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing this. I have seen um, uh, I have seen uh, Two for the Money. Uh, it, it's, it's okay. I enjoyed it. So, uh, those are the movies that we'll be watching, uh, to recap to fi- I mean, I, I meant to tweet this out, but, uh, so forgive me. I meant to, meant to tweet this out to recap my, uh, little birthday live stream brand growth charity event, uh, from last week, by the way, thank you everybody for, for tuning into that. That was a whole lot of fun. Uh, I had a, had a lot of great, lot of fun talking to, uh, my friends in this community, the fellow podcasters, and uh, interacting with everybody in the chat. Uh, here's, here's how it broke down, all right? I said $2 for every stream view. We had 158 total stream views across Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, so that's $316 um, raised from stream views. I said a dollar for every new follower on my platforms. We had 115 total. Uh, so that's $115 from followership. So that's $431 total from me. Um, if you watch the stream, uh, you'll know that I played uh, some trivia games with some of the uh, folks that joined me for a little bonus multipliers. Uh, based uh, just from those multipliers, I think, we, I think it ended up at 50% uh, bonus. So that's $646 raised uh, for two charities from just the base efforts alone, really. Um, and then... Uh, when considering the contributions from the guests like Mark and Eric, Traeger and the others, um, that we're going to get to, I think, about $1,300 uh, donated to, uh, to both charities, to the Arlington Food Assistance Center here in Northern Virginia and the Las Vegas Rescue Mission out in Las Vegas. So we will do this again. This was a lot of fun. Um, the the stakes or the re, the the ways that money is raised might be different, but I'm not gonna always I'm not gonna always do, um, you know, uh, this little brand growth thing. But I will find clever ways to, uh, to incentivize people to watch and engage and stuff like that for the sake of, uh, raising money for for deserving organizations. Again, thank you to everybody who watched who followed, who uh, joined me, uh, to all the, to the gentlemen um, who not only joined me with their time, but also um, uh, were nice enough to contribute uh, on, on their own behalf. And, and so uh, this, was, uh, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So uh, we got some money going to those organizations. And uh, it's always nice to do better. You know what I'm saying? It's always nice to do a little better. Thank you, everybody, who's following me and pledging on Patreon. Your support is very much appreciated. Patreon shorts coming out every day, Monday through Friday. This week, I was talking about the different kinds of sports betting outs. Uh, so if you're interested in that, it's available over at patreon.com slash thebetterlife. All it takes is a $2 pledge or more uh, to get access to those. All right. That'll do it. I'm exhausted. Past calendar week has been uh, content heavy. The stream went for about two and a half hours. Mark Duvall and I talked for almost two hours uh, last night. And uh, time to start thinking about what's coming up uh, for the rest of July. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. It really does mean the world to me that you spend all this time, especially if you made it at the end of this episode. Goodness, this was a long one. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. 
On behalf of Mark Duvall and Alan Dink Dinkinson, I am Timothy Lawson. Good night and good luck.